continue to take opportunity to pray for our missionaries, those we support, uh, in the coming weeks. And so uh, thank you for doing that. I have two questions for the kids to think about as we look at our passage for tonight. The first question is, what is a common problem in praying? What's a common problem in praying? And the second one is, what is a good method that we can use to avoid that problem? Have you ever wondered what to say when you pray? As Christians, we believe that we should pray. We know that we should pray regularly. We know that God answers prayer. We know that prayer honors God. But what do you say when it comes time to actually pray? One common problem is not knowing what to say, and so we tend to repeat the same phrases over and over. Uh, for example, when my kids were very little and we asked them to pray, they would usually say the same thing. Thank you for the food. Thank you for and list off everybody's names in the family. And that's not a bad prayer. The problem is sometimes even when we're adults, we pray the same thing every time we talk to God, potentially. Maybe you don't. I, I don't know all the details of your prayer life, obviously. But uh, this is something that we tend to do. So, I have a question for you. What words or phrases do you find yourself saying over and over again when you pray. Okay? Thank you. Good. What else? Okay. Help. Okay. Please. Yep. Okay. Different names of God. Yes. Okay. Amen. Hopefully you don't say that all throughout the prayer, although it wouldn't be bad. It wouldn't be bad. It's just saying... Let it be this way. So we always say it at the end, but we don't have to. Uh, anything else? Okay. God's will be done. All right. Good. Good. Uh, the one that Kelly mentioned, I just wanted to comment on that, uh, which is sometimes we use God's name as punctuation. Instead of a pause or saying, uh, sometimes we'll say God's name. So just as an example, I want to pray, Lord, for this person whose needs you know, Lord, Please help him, Lord. I don't think that I would put this in the category of taking God's name in vain, but sometimes it can get to be such a habit we're not really even thinking the fact that we're saying God's name when we're praying. What do you do, or what have you seen other people do when someone says, would anyone like to pray in a larger group? What are some different responses that people have? They could be actions or they could be words. Okay, turn their head. Okay, what else? Okay, that's a more extreme one. Point to the person next to you. Okay, good. Okay. Okay, no response. All right. I wonder if a lot of times it's easy for us to have those responses, and if at least one of the reasons we would have that response is, I'm not sure what I'm going to say when I get up in front of everybody. Even when it's your turn to pray in a smaller group, do you ever have the feeling, I really hope my turn doesn't come around before the time is up? It's possible maybe to have that feeling. Um, what, might make you, what might make you not want to pray even in a smaller group? Okay, we're worried about what other people think. Good, good. 
Okay? I'm thinking about something else. Good, good. So if you struggle knowing what to pray, and if it shows up in not wanting to pray before the whole church or even in a smaller group, what is the solution? The solution is having something ready to pray. We tend, to, we tend toward two extremes at this point. The one is, I don't want to have to wonder about what it is I'm going to say, so I'm just going to look up somebody else's prayer, and I'm just going to say that. In churches that tend toward liturgy and, and rituals, this is what they do. They know what they're going to say because they say it every week. And we have to, I have to be careful here because there are prayers that it is good for us to say. I mean, Jesus gave the Lord's Prayer as a model, as an example. I can hardly say that it would be bad for us to pray that. And yet, if we prayed that every week without thinking, that might be a problem. The other extreme of having something to pray is to ha come up with every new prayer all on your own. So every time I pray, I'm going to think about, I just got to sort of wing it. I got to come up with it on the spot. And that can be intimidating, right? Uh, this is when we tend to draw a blank or, ironically, repeat the same ideas using similar words because we fall back on things we're comfortable saying. Or, and this is another problem, sometimes it ends up being about us instead of about God because we're just sort of saying what comes to mind. And we're good at talking about ourselves and sometimes not as good at talking about other things. So, what is a solution to this problem? There's a helpful little book I read a couple of years ago um, uh, at the recommendation of my pastor at the time, and it's called Praying the Bible. And the author is Donald Whitney, and I looked down in my office so that I could show you what it looks like, and I'm not sure which, bo which box it's in. So when I find it, I'll show you all, or we can put it in the display case or something like that. What does he suggest the solution is to not knowing what to pray? He says to pray using the text of Scripture. So tonight... I want us to look at one of Paul's prayers and then think about how to pray using the Bible. We could do this at least two ways. The first is to say, what does the verse mean? And only pray within the boundaries of the specific meaning of the verse. For example, Psalm 23 and verse 1, The Lord is my shepherd. So you say, thank you God for being my shepherd. And you say, okay, I'm done. I've said what the verse says, I'm done. The second is to use the text as a springboard for prayer. In other words, I don't ignore the meaning of the text, but I'm willing to go beyond the specific words as related ideas come to mind. This is the example that he gives from that same passage in his book. He says, Lord, I thank you that you are my shepherd. You're a good shepherd. You have shepherded me all my life, and great shepherd, please shepherd my family today. Guard them from the ways of the world. Guide them into the ways of God. Lead them not into temptation. Deliver them from evil. Great Shepherd, I pray for my children. Cause them to be your sheep. May they love you as their shepherd as I do. And Lord, please shepherd me in the decision that's before me about my future. Do I make that move, that change, or not? I also pray for our under-shepherds at the church. Please shepherd them as they shepherd us. Now, he threw a lot of different ideas in there. And you'll notice he used a phrase from the Lord's Prayer as well. And uh, so what's the drawback of this approach? The potential danger is confusing things that this verse makes me think of which, with what this verse actually means. And so if we can keep the difference between those two things clear in our minds, here's what the verse means, here's what reading this verse makes me think of about other verses, situations in life, prayer requests that are on my heart, then I think that this is a valuable method to consider. Another thing 
that I think that he brings up is that is helpful is if you find yourself sort of straying kind of far afield or you're not sure what to pray next then look at the next verse of the section that you're trying to pray through so what I want us to do is briefly look at 1 Thessalonians 3 11 to 13 and we'll start with what the verses mean because I think that that would be important for us to consider and then I want us to okay yep it's on top of the prayer sheet there if you if you want to look at it there as well and then we can use these verses in our prayer time a little bit later as a starting point for how we pray for the requests on the sheet so the first phrase that you see there in verse 11 now may our God and Father himself and Jesus our Lord direct our way to you so what does this mean in the context in light of what we looked at on Sunday Paul really wanted to come back and to see the Thessalonian believers he wanted to encourage them again as it says in verse 10 we pray most earnestly that we may see your face and may complete what is lacking in your faith and so uh, that's simply what it means Paul wanted to go back and see the Thessalonians what's a legitimate application perhaps you are sick and you're unable to attend a service and so it would be right I think to pray to God just as Paul wanted to get back and be with the Thessalonians so he could minister to and encourage them I want to be back with my church family so I can minister to and encourage them those would be parallel situations now here's the question what if you said just as you gave Paul this ministry opportunity Lord I want you to give me an opportunity with my neighbor who needs to hear about Jesus you're no longer in the meaning of the verse right because in the verse it's one Christian going to minister to other Christians and the prayer request that I just mentioned is one Christian going to witness to people who aren't Christians and yet there would be nothing wrong with praying that and thinking about that particular verse perhaps might prompt that thought in your mind what if you read the word open and you thought that store is opening down the road from me uh, depending on your version it says open our way to you if I recall correctly and then you prayed Lord help me to have a chance to get to know some of the people in that store so that maybe I could invite them to church or tell them about Jesus again that's not the meaning of the verse and to a certain extent it's not really even an application of that specific verse it's just reading that verse made you think of that thing and you decided to pray for it and to the extent that that thing that you're praying for is within the boundaries of things that God has said are good for us to pray for that wouldn't be a bad thing for you to do now just to clarify if you say that's what Paul meant by open our way it's not but if you say this reminds me of something from my life as well as something God has called Christians to do and you pray about it then I would see nothing wrong with that and as I said earlier especially if you then return after you've prayed for that thing if you return back and say okay what's the next phrase that I can pray for and let me just give a parallel example some may be more comfortable praying exactly the words of Scripture just as some are more comfortable singing only the Psalms in some churches they would sing only the Psalms but I think that there is also a place for praying and speaking to God about scriptural ideas not merely quoting verses in our prayers I think there's a legitimate range between I quote the text exactly and I make something up that has nothing to do with it 
And so what I'm saying is, wherever you fall in that spectrum of your comfort level with praying, using Scripture as a springboard, my encouragement would be that we pray. I'm not trying to say you have to be here or you have to be here. I'm saying if you're not sure what to pray, you will not go wrong praying the Bible and you will not go wrong uh, speaking to God about His character. And, and, and part of the thing that this helps us to do is the way that the Bible is written, the focus is on God. And so that helps combat our tendency for everything to be about ourselves. And so when we pray following the pattern of the apostles or other people that we see in Scripture, that helps model for us things that are good for us to pray about for one another, things that are pleasing to God for us to pray about. Let's look at the other two things that Paul says in verses 12 and 13, and then we'll try to apply this method in our time of prayer. So verse 12, May the Lord cause you to increase and abound in love for one another and for all people, just as we also do for you. Again, what's the meaning? The meaning's pretty straightforward. God wants them to love one another more. And not just each other, but for all people, and not just without any reference or without any context, but in the same way that Paul showed love. Remember back in uh, chapter 2, he poured out his life as a parent would serve their child. That's the sort of love that Paul modeled that he wants them to be showing to one another. So how could you pray this verse, this phrase? You could pray that you would love other Christians. You could pray that you would love all people. You could pray that you would love your wife better, your kids better, even your grandparents better. All of these would be flowing out of the text, even if they're not specifically mentioned in that particular verse. Look at verse 13. So that he may establish your hearts without blame and holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. What does this mean? If Paul or someone else, if God didn't let him go, could connect with the Thessalonians, and if their love increased, then God would use that in their lives to result in them being in a place of confident holiness in God's presence at Jesus' return. So how could you pray that verse? It could be a prayer of confession. God, here's how I'm not holy. I don't have that confidence at the moment because I know that there is something that I could be blamed about. This says, without blame, I know there's things that I need to confess before you because uh, those are things about which I could be blamed. I'm not living in the holiness for which you saved me. Or you could pray about the last part of it. Jesus, you're coming back. Help me to be ready when you come back. Or perhaps you could see the word establish. And for whatever reason, it pops into your mind that this church was established 70-some years ago. And you say, Lord, I want to pray for our church that we would be faithful and we would follow God. And that last one probably would occur for those of us whose minds tend to jump all over when we're thinking about things. And my point is not to say that discipline isn't important and reining things in isn't important. It's to say, at least for me, sometimes trying to put that thought back in the back of my mind doesn't always work and it's helpful for me to deal with it. And as long as it's something that's not completely off the wall, speaking to God about it, asking His help about it, sort of helps you set it aside so you can move on to the next thing that you need to do. Is it good to pray prompted by Scripture? I think, yes, at the very least, we would have something to say that honors God, and at the best, our prayers would be more about things that God wants and less about things that we want. So when we go to our time of prayer here in a few minutes, what I want us to do 
is to break up into smaller groups, whether that be family groups or groups of maybe uh, three to four people. And I want us to take at least the first few minutes of our prayer time, or when you start to pray, I want you to pick one of these phrases that Paul spoke and think about how you could pray that for one of the people on the prayer list. Uh, whether that be someone who is having health issues and isn't here right now, whether that be someone who is uh, perhaps anticipating being in God's presence, whether that be someone who needs to be saved, whatever it might be, I want you to take one of these phrases from these verses that we've just looked at and pray that for at least one person on this list. And I want you to try it. And again, this is a method that I think we see biblical precedent for. You see Jesus on the cross, for example, quoting Old Testament scriptures in prayer to God. I don't think we can say this is the only way to pray, but I think it's certainly something we should at least consider trying. So what I want us to do is, is to do that for maybe about the next uh, 15 minutes or so, and then uh, I'll come back up and pray, and then we'll close with our final song.